Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the past week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. We know some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive by the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever one of those categories you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here today. Welcome to the recap. We are recording the April 17th episode of the recap. It's good to be back in Leviticus. Back in Leviticus. There were parts of it that I really liked this time. Starting at 15 through 21. So chapter 16 is all about the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. I can't read it without just being so grateful. Right around launch. I couldn't think, I was reading all the words, but not a single thing was Nothing was absorbing. Yeah. yeah. Nothing was absorbing. Yeah. So. Okay. So the day that we were supposed to read that was a day or two before launch. Mm-hmm. And I read it then, but then went back and read all of the week stuff yesterday and today. So it's all mm-hmm. kind of fresh, but the day of atonement at the very beginning in chapter 16, God's talking to Moses and explaining this whole thing. And in verse two, the Lord says to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he may not come whenever he wants into the holy place behind the curtain in front of the mercy seat on the ark or he'll die because I appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. As soon as I read that, I just was like, we get to come whenever we want. We get to come whenever we want. Whenever we want. And boldly, like that verse in Hebrews, we get to come boldly before the throne Mm -hmm. of grace. Well, two things in there that I loved. The fact that that veil is torn, there's nothing between us and the Holy of Holies anymore. That veil has been ripped down and we get to come whenever we want. Yes. And then the verse that it made me think of in Hebrews, I ended up going and digging through Hebrews a whole bunch, but the one verse that immediately popped to mind was about us coming boldly. And I love how it calls it the throne of grace, the mercy seat. That's where mercy is and the throne of grace. Yes. We're showing up, and even though we're covered in Christ's righteousness, we're still sinful human beings, but that mm-hmm. doesn't matter because we're covered in Christ's righteousness. Yeah, and it's funny because I sometimes I feel like I talk a lot about how much he enjoys us, how pleased he is with us. I feel like every time I say those things, people respond with, but we're sinful. And not that that's not true, we are, but just like you said, we're covered in his righteousness. I mean, we're sinful people, mm-hmm. but we're covered in his righteousness. Right. Going back to what you were talking about, that like they were constantly repenting, they were constantly bringing sacrifices, and that we should dwell in his righteousness. Like that is where Mm -hmm. we should live, is in that place of, I am covered in his righteousness. And Mm -hmm. we should be able to say, he is pleased with me. He looks at me with pleasure, and he enjoys me and all of that. But at the same time, there is that there is that constant repentance, that constant awareness mm-hmm. of our sin, and which pushes us back to, but we're covered in his righteousness. But we're covered in his righteousness. righteousness. Totally going to jump ahead to Psalms for two seconds. Do it. But Psalm 18, which is on the reading plan, that's the day before we read the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. So Psalm 18 is all about begging God for help, basically. And then he talks about how God, it reminds me of Job a little bit, how God comes down in this powerful. It's just imagery of the earth shakes and quakes and he comes down in this cloud of darkness. And so it's talking about all of that. And it says, starting at verse 14, 
he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He pulled me out of deep water. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's why. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Yeah. In my sin. Right. He doesn't delight in the sin, but he delights right. in me and he rescues us. because he Right. And he provided a way because he delights in us. He provided a way back to that Leviticus holy of holies mm-hmm. thing. Because of our sin, we can't be in his holy presence. Right. But he delights in us. So he made a way through Christ. Yes. 15, just a few verses before that is where I have underlined. You're responsible for keeping the people of Israel separate from that, which makes them ritually unclean, lest they die in their unclean condition by defiling my dwelling, which is among them. I don't know why it was so powerful to me, but the vine passage in John again, where he's saying like, remain in me, remain in me, remain in Mm -hmm. me, remain in me. And he remains in us and he has made us clean because of the words spoken long ago. This entire Leviticus is all about remaining clean and not doing these things that defile us. And there's just lists and lists and lists of all the ways Mm -hmm. that we can be defiled. Um, But the plan all along was for Jesus to be the scapegoat, which it talks about. Right. Chapter 16. Mm -hmm. And it's just so hard to wrap your head around how Jesus is all of these things. All of these things were necessary. And Jesus is all of these things because the scapegoat Mm -hmm. is only one particular part of the cleansing of Israel. Yes, they do that once a year on the Day of Atonement. Like you just said, all of these things in chapter 17, when he's telling them why they aren't allowed to eat the blood of animals, it's because um, the life of the creatures is in the blood. And I have appointed it to you to make atonement on the altar for your lives, since it is the lifeblood that makes atonement. So even that explaining like Jesus' blood had to be shed, like something has to die in order to cover this. I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know that if you're enjoying our reading plan, but you're looking to dive deeper into the text using the Bible as your source, you're going to love our dive studies. Our first study is the book of Galatians. We're going to dive deep into one chapter per week. You'll have the option to participate in live online video discussions with Annika and I and the rest of the Bible study group. Or you can simply follow along in the discussion in our Facebook groups. The first study begins April 28th, so be sure to sign up at divecollective.org before we start. And hopefully we'll see you soon. If we were to do a concise summary of what I read in Leviticus, or if I were to, I would just say that it's really about how God's people are supposed to be set apart. He intended for his people to live differently, to be clean, to not be defiled. The high priest above all, and then the priest's sons and all of Israel, all of the ways that they had to make sure that they remain clean and set apart from the rest of the world. Because if he is God, your God, I am your God, your God. And people need to know that I am not like any other God. Mm-hmm. We were intended to be a set apart people to yes. live differently, to look different. To reflect his holiness. Skipping ahead a little bit again, but we moved into Ecclesiastes this week, which yes. is fun for me because I read a book last year that was on Ecclesiastes and it's one of my favorite books I've ever read. Um, I also have a really bad habit of reading things and completely forgetting what I read. Mm-hmm. And so I have lots of notes in my Bible quotes from that book, but it's fun for me to read Ecclesiastes and be able to think through it in a different way, having 
read what I read, one of the phrases in Ecclesiastes that stuck out to me that I just keep coming back to, and I hear it in different places, but it says in Ecclesiastes 3 that God has placed eternity in our heart. I'm kind of going back to what I said about loving your neighbor as yourself. The second time he says that in chapter 19, he explains why. You're to love your neighbor as yourself because you aliens, you were aliens in the land of Egypt. He's basically saying you were aliens in Egypt. So all these people you're coming into contact with, love them as you love yourself. And it just made me think about, I think I might be stretching here, but this is what came to my head. The fact (laughs) that all of us, the word sojourner is another one that pops up. Like we're sojourners here. This isn't where we belong. We're all aliens here to an extent because, because he's put eternity in our hearts. That one thought just kind of led me to, I'm to love my neighbor because we're all aliens here to an extent Yep. because we have eternity in our hearts because we don't belong here. Yeah. In the brokenness of this world is not where we belong. That's good. We could dig into that a lot further, just in the fact that God chose a nomadic people to be his people Mm -hmm. with the promise of the forever land. Right. Total parallel. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I can't tell you how glad I am that I'm doing Ecclesiastes in the message as well. Like this is, I feel like I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we're just, just really dumbing it down for me. (laughs) Thanks God. One of my favorite things about doing a Bible reading plan is when God brings direct correlations from one page of scripture that I'm on and the same day. And now it's two places in one day. Yeah. Two places and two completely different places in one day. So the Psalm of David, Psalm of David, Psalm 24, it says, starting in verse five, God is at their side with God's help. They make it. This Jacob is what happens to God seekers, God questers. And then on the very same day for the reading, the very first line in Ecclesiastes 1, these are the words of the quester, David's son and king in Jerusalem. I was like, what? Obviously this is- Esther, Yeah, that's his interpretation of it. Yes, but yeah. his paraphraser hey. of it, but he calls, he calls himself quester all throughout it. I don't know. What does he call it in your version? In Ecclesiastes, it's teacher. Oh, teacher. These are the words of a teacher? Mm-hmm. Quote, well, it says- Koheleth or leader of the assembly is what my footnote says for teacher. Interesting. Why would he say quester? Um, I wonder if he used the word quester in Ecclesiastes because of the context of the whole book. The whole book, he's like on this quest to discover the meaning of life, really, is what he's Uh doing. So I wonder if he translated it that way just because of the context of all of it. Yeah. God questers. So that was verse six and 24. Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mine is such as the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So yeah, that makes sense. I could go on and on about Psalms. Psalms is where God really, I feel like met me a lot this week. Psalm 18 is where we start. Mm -hmm. Last week, I felt like there was a lot of, um, this theme I kept seeing in the Psalms that we read was just how like wretched and sinful humanity is. Mm -hmm. And this week I felt like it was all about God being our help. There were so many, Dave was just crying out for deliverance in whatever, and God is his help. Okay. I wanted to ask you what this looks like in the message in Psalm 22. So my heading calls it from suffering to praise. And so, so this, it made me think of lament. David's lamenting. 
here. Mm. He's questioning God and complaining to God. And why have you left me? And asking him all these questions. And then at the end of verse 21, in my Bible, there's a break in the middle of the verse. And then it says, you answered me, exclamation point. It's like David is lamenting, lamenting, lamenting. And then all of a sudden he spends the rest of the Psalm. Psalm 22? Like just praising him. Yeah, Psalm 22, 21. If you don't show up soon, I'm done for. Gored by the bulls, meat for the lions. Mm-hmm. And it says, here's the story I'll tell my friends when they come to worship and punctuate it with hallelujahs. Shout hallelujah, you God worshipers. Give glory, you sons of Jacob. Adore him, you daughters of Israel. He has never let you down, never looked the other way. When you were being kicked around, he has never wandered off to do his own thing. He has been there listening. Yeah. So he just separated it differently. So the 21 is he's asking God to save him from the lion's mouth and from the wild oxen. And then he's like, you answered me. Verses 20 through 24. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the ways he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. I just love that line. Every day I review the ways he works. The reminder to remember. Right. Remember, and that remember, God proves remember. his faithfulness. He proves it and he's done and it And gives before. us reasons to, right, yes. reasons to trust in the faithfulness. Yes. Another thing that I loved is I, I had read this part, right? This is in chapter 22. I'd read this part right after the night before I was talking to some friends about how surprised we're going to be when we get to heaven about who's there. <laughs> <laughs> that we think we know who is qualified and who's not qualified, forgetting completely that it's a matter of the heart that we right. possibly see or know. I love where it says all the power it talks about what's going to happen in heaven. It goes, um, I'm going to start earlier from the four corners of the earth. People are coming to their senses are running back to God. Long lost families are falling on their faces before him. God has taken charge from now on. He has the last word. All the power mongers are before him worshiping all the Mm. poor and powerless too, worshiping along with those who never got it together. Worshiping. (laughs) Wow. And then yeah. uh, even though, even below that, the very last line, it says, baby's not yet conceived. We'll hear the good news that God does what he says. I was like, yeah, I just wrote what? Yeah. How does what? That even, what does that mean? Baby's yeah. not yet conceived. We'll hear the good news that God does what he said. It makes me think of when we talk about being formed, we were formed before we were conceived and yeah. born. You know what I mean? That God had created, yeah. that we are a creation known by him. Yeah apart from our sinful flesh. What? I don't know. It's too big. I'm just not even. Yeah. Kidding. I'm trying to think through how he translated it. What does your say? Well, okay. So I think one way to answer this question, it's prophetic, right? Like it's talking about the end. Right. Heaven, All the like ends what heaven of the, will look like. Right, yeah. Once Jesus comes back to and reign. restores like, everything. Mm-hmm. Right. That's when all the ends of the word, earth will right. remember and word and okay. all the families of the nations but that's if we think of it that way that's what yes it makes sense what you're saying that because my okay so mine says all who prosper on earth will eat and bow down all those who go down to the dust will kneel before him even the one who cannot preserve his life their descendants will serve him the next generation will be told about the lord 
They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. So that I think that it makes me want to dig in and find out, is this specifically prophetic? Like he's talking about in the very end, or is he just saying like generations to come? Or, yeah, you know generations what I mean? that I have not yet even yeah, known are right. going to be conceived to hear the good news. Right. There's a lot of prophetic, that's how God works, right? Is these, he, these words are all in there and we still see how they, they right. continue to be fulfilled and continue to be fulfilled in different ways. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one that I've, I learned as a little tiny person. Mm-hmm. And when I learned it, it's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Like that's the memorized version in my head. But this um, CSB version, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. That made me automatically jump to another psalm, which I've brought up on the podcast before, where it says that his presence is my good. I have what I need just because he's my shepherd, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not even, I mean, he is providing for my needs, but he is what I need because he's my shepherd. And I love that he makes us rest. He makes us rest. He knows when we need rest and he makes us rest. I feel like that's kind of the season that the world is in right now. I I feel like he's like, y'all need, y'all need to just chill out people. Chill out. Yeah. (laughs) And then Ecclesiastes, it's like, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to hold on to the fact that it's true, but it's pretty hopeless. So I just need to see where it's going to, like, I need to see the end of the book, the story first before I dig in. Does that make any sense? Yep. But at the same time, mm-hmm. and I think I, like, yeah, I'm coming like, to Ecclesiastes having already. Yeah, and a so lot of commentary. Mm-hmm. Right. I have things underlined and the end of chapter two and chapter three, there are some things in there that like kind of wrap it up, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. That's, at the end of 224 and 25, it says, there's nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I've seen that even this is from God's hand because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? The truth that you can't do or enjoy or accomplish things apart from God is like a key Mm -hmm. theme in Ecclesiastes. What were you going to say? Well, in that same chapter I wrote, I think it was in response to verses 18 through... 18 through 19. It said, I hated everything I'd accomplished and accumulated on this earth. I can't take it with me. No, I have to leave it to whoever comes after me, whether they're worthy or worthless, who's to tell? That to me was like, man, this is the beauty of seeing yourself as a small character in a really long, beautiful Mm -hmm. story. I'm not going to know what I'm doing here and its full value or what it was intended for here, you know, but I do trust that in doing the, in being obedient, that Who's to tell I, whether it's worthy or worthless, who's to tell it says the way I see it, it, that it's divine fate, whether we feast or fast, it's up to God. God may give wisdom and knowledge and joy to his favorites, but sinners are assigned a life of hard labor and end up turning their wages over to God's favorites. Nothing but smoke and spitting into the wind. That's what my, that was my response to it is if we continue to see ourselves as small characters in a really big story, mm-hmm. it makes it, it gives it more meaning. It's, mm-hmm. it's less spitting into the wind. In the end, does it really make a difference what anyone does? I've had a good look of at what God has given us to do. Busy work, mostly. True, God made everything beautiful in itself and in its time, but he's left us in the dark so we can never know what God is up to, whether he's coming or going. And then later it says, I've also concluded that whatever God does, that's the way it's going to be. Always. No addition, no mm-hmm. subtraction. God's done it, and that's it. That's, that's so we'll quit asking questions and simply worship in holy. Right. 
Right. Yes. That's it. So he's like, especially in chapter three and four, I feel like this beginning, he's going through all these things. I've tried working. Yeah. I tried pleasure. I yeah. tried looking for wisdom. I tried wealth. Like he's yeah. listing all of these things that he tried. It's like his life is this giant experiment yeah. because he's trying to find meaning in anything. And there's even, so in chapter two, maybe it was two, not three and four. Well, it's the whole first few chapters. Emptiness of pleasure, emptiness of possessions. Then in tw verse 12 of chapter two, he's like, well, then I turn to consider Matt wisdom because like I've tried the other things. Let's check this out. Like he's just on this quest. He's a quester. He's trying to find out what is the meaning of life. And it comes back to these first chapters that we read. We can't enjoy anything apart from God. Truly enjoy it because mm -hmm. it's, so there's that. It's a gift of God when anyone eats, drinks, and enjoys all his efforts. So God wants us to enjoy the good gifts he's given us. But one of the reasons that all of this feels the way it feels is because he's put eternity in our hearts. Like that's mm -hmm. the, that's in chapter three. So as I keep reading it, that's kind of what I want to have in the front of my mind as I read. And I don't know, it might change as I keep going, but those are things that stuck out to me in the first three chapters or four chapters, whatever we read, as far as like explanations for it. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. tried it all. Really. I tried it all. He lists all the wealth and all the servants he had and the concubines and the singers and the mm -hmm. everything. He had everything. It doesn't matter if it's not enjoyed with, with him. Like if you're trying to do it apart from God, none of that matters. Right. But when you do it, when you recognize that the things we enjoy on this earth are from God, you can enjoy those gifts, but then it makes you enjoy God, right? Mm -hmm. Like it makes you grateful for the giver of the gifts, not just for the gifts. Right. And I think that, that, I think what I like so much about that ending there, God's done it and that's it. That's so we'll quit asking mm -hmm. questions and simply worship in holy fear. That part just reiterates what the yeah. same author Solomon spoke at the beginning of Proverbs. The beginning of wisdom mm -hmm. is fear of God. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. Start there, mm -hmm. start there. Right. And then that makes all of it worth it. Yeah. And, that and it makes me think, it makes me think of Job too. What you just said at the end, can you read what you just read again in the message? God's done it and that's it. That's so we'll quit asking questions and simply worship in holy fear. Right. God mm -hmm. is God. Where were you, Job, when I did all of this stuff? Right. And that's that's the truth. But I, there's a part of me that's like, Job didn't know that. We have the beauty of 2020 hindsight. We have the beauty mm -hmm. of these storytellers and the stories that God wrote on their lives tell us that Job's life was worth it because it's taught right. us that at the end of the day, whatever God does is worth it. That mm -hmm. the, the fear of him, the understanding that he is God and we are not is what it mm -hmm. all comes down to. And if we can resolve with that as our baseline, mm -hmm. it allows us to worship him and it allows right. us to experience joy, which ultimately that is what I feel like daily I'm after those moments of joy where I see God mm -hmm. in the midst of the things. Uh, chapter four. I don't even know if I can say, or if I even should share any of it because it's pretty darn personal right now, but this is you and me and Kelly. I just started crying. And I yeah. think it's the beginning of when I was like, you know what? I put myself 
on this team of people and this team of people is the thing that terrifies me the most. And it's like the greatest gift. It's the you greatest I mean? gift. It's yeah. the greatest gift. Yeah. Anyway, so it says, uh, it starts out talking about somebody who works alone and what's the point of mm -hmm. working alone? Why would you work all day and all night to acquire this wealth and you have nobody to share it with? Mm -hmm. It says it's better to have a partner than go it alone, share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed, warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. That was a promise. I, I needed mm -hmm. that promise. That was such a precious promise to get today. I always prefer working in a team. I don't do, I don't really enjoy doing anything all by myself. I don't want to do anything by myself. I want to work with others, but then it's funny to be in the midst of it and be terrified by it. I think I'm usually the exact opposite of that. <laughs> Just because I like to be, be alone. alone. <laughs> and like Kelly was saying the other day, it's, sometimes it's way easier to just do it yourself than to try to explain to someone how you want it done. That's, that is how I live my life sometimes, which isn't a good thing. Like I'm thinking about as my, like my kids, I don't make them empty the dishwasher very often. Cause I don't like the way they do it. You know what I mean? Right. Stupid things like that, but yeah. And I I'm think that's different... true. And I think that, I think that's what we kind of, we've talked about in the past too, is that, I mean, the things that Kelly does, I can't help her with. And the things yeah. that you do, I can't help you with. Like those things do have to be done alone. Right. But this big thing can't be done. <laughs> yeah. Without everybody doing the parts that they have to do alone. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Do you have anything else? This is another thing I have under in Ecclesiastes. And I'm, I love the way it says it in this version in chapter three, verse 14. I know that every God does will last forever. There's no adding to it or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of him. That's good. That's the same one that I underlined. It's a different version. I've concluded that whatever God does, that's the way it's going to be always. No addition, oh. no subtraction. God's done it and that's it. That's so we'll quit asking questions and simply worship in holy fear. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There was one other thing that I put a whole, um, <laughs> I put a whole commentary by was at the end of chapter one, it says, I've stockpiled wisdom and knowledge. What I've finally concluded is that so-called wisdom and knowledge are mindless and witless, nothing but spitting into the wind. And then he says, much learning earns you much trouble. The more you know, the more you hurt. Mm -hmm. What does your say? For with much wisdom is much sorrow. As knowledge increases, grief increases. Yeah. So I was, I put it by there because I was thinking, man, that's true. Like the more, you know, and the more you understand, the more you're sad about it all. And it was funny because it, it was, it reminded me of a conversation I had just had with my friend and we were talking about politics. You couldn't be a Christian and have political ideas that were different than mine. That's just, mm -hmm. those were two things that were kind of mutually exclusive and just kind of talking through that growth process and the ways that we had, that those things had kind of changed in us as we realize that God's heart is both and like there's wisdom in one and there's God's heart in another and all of it is good. But at the end, like at, as we circled down that spiral of conversation, by the end of it, we were both like, and so then when I'm done thinking about it, I just think, well, you know what, Lord, just can you come let it burn? Like let it burn, <laughs> set fire to it all because it's so yeah. 
overwhelmingly complex and hard and there's no answers here for it all. There just are not answers for it all. And so it makes us mm-hmm. long for him and it makes our hearts hurt. And um, yeah, I keep saying every time I somebody asks me if I've watched the Tiger King, like, yes, I've watched the Tiger King. And it's made me like weep, weep that I sit here in my beautiful house with my lovely family. And there's a huge population of people who are really hurting. It's not that way. Yeah. Really, really hurting. Anyway, do you have anything else? I think so. All right. That's the April 17th episode of the recap. We'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.